Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. And I am delighted here to have Tom and Rob from Fauna Nutrition. Now, you may not have heard of these. They're not a rival coaching company to pH nutrition they are actually uh, offer meat boxes and specifically venison meat boxes we're going to be diving into all things venison and a lot of stuff around meat and deer stalking so big steaks i'm really looking forward to this yeah big steaks um guys thanks so much for joining us and look let's dive straight in and give us a bit of an overview of who you are and tom and rob uh, how former fauna nutrition was formed and how you guys kind of kind of met and got, got, got things rocking and rolling so tom kick us off well rob rob works in or owns sorry a butcher shop in kendall which is where i live and uh for me uh, as a strength and conditioning coach i've slowly over the years become more and more into the quality of the meat i'm eating and i have to say I'm probably the most annoying persistent customer Always Look, asking where the meat. Little fanboy emailed. Remember that, Tom? I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> At least he's a persistent Thanks, customer. Right. That's a good right, thing. That's a, that's a big tick. And I like best yeah. meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually emailed Rob initially. As soon as I saw it opened, I was like straight onto the email. Uh, anyway, so sort of, kind of, and then basically from chatting in the shop. We discovered we both deer stalking. I'd say it goes, to, sorry, Tom, it just goes slightly back from deer stalking. And we both, uh, jokes aside, we both have a very similar uh, outlook when it comes to diet and health, probably for different reasons. Tom's into the uh, the gym and all that sort of thing. I do very, very long days in the shop. So I'm uh, focused on, I suppose, performance yeah. and output because I have to do 14, especially when I first started, 14, 16 hours days every single day. So both and I, Tom, Tom and I believe that uh, I suppose you could coin the phrase like an animal-based diet, you know, where uh, we put emphasis on eating high-quality protein, high-quality fat uh, as much as we can, basically. We're both hungry lads. Um, so we both believe that, you know, red meat especially is a health food, you know, the best thing you can really put in your body. It's the best fuel for humans, which we believe. And we both have a similar anecdotal kind of outlooks where we both have crazy busy schedules, 
got plenty of energy and we both believe that and we've you know i met him in the shop and not everybody believes that especially you know i work in a small retail butcher shop where red meat is often demonized by people you know they want the chicken and pork mm. but both tom and i believe mm. that red meat is you know god's own food really um so we connected on that and then we both had a i'll let tom carry on but we both had a love for deer stalking as well and actually sourcing it you know sourcing it direct from the source sorry to interrupt tom but i thought it was yeah. key to, to get that in I, yeah. yeah i think well you yeah you're absolutely yeah. right we 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 also both had had a lot of passion for eating nose to tail and for me coming to rob's shop that was an amazing thing to actually find a butcher who had the offal and was actually yeah, interested in talking about where it had come from and the pros yeah. and cons of uh different types of offal and and where they were sourced from because uh, there's a lot of variations in terms of how we get meat whether it's wild venison which literally live wild or whether it's uh, a pasture for life cow or a cow that isn't totally pasture for life and just having that conversation was very refreshing when the only other butchers in town had not been able to tell me where their meat had come from at all. Um, and so we, our friendship grew from there, really. Um, and where did fauna come from? Well, last summer, we just ended up having a couple of barbecues, didn't mm. we, Rob? And uh, we were sitting at mine and we actually, you brought round um, Pasture for Life. Probably just a worth, Tom, but for anybody listening just to define what pastured for life is so yeah yeah that, it's a key it's a key component and not probably a lot of people haven't heard it probably the only people have really heard of pastured for life is someone who's really into the kind of primal diets and stuff like that yeah. basically pastured for life is a pastured for life organization it's a, a national body and they basically certify the fact that the farmer and usually it's beef but it can be lamb as well but certifies the fact that the animal has only ever eaten grass in its diet from being born all the way up to slaughter and it's a it's a that you can get certified so farms get certified pastured for life and butchers are certified were were certified at fauna yeah uh, so they can actually certify that the animal has only ever eaten grass through the whole of its diet and um, which from an environmental point of view, we can get into uh, from a dietary point of view. There are quite a lot of people, uh, you know, on these carnivore diets that's very, very sensitive to any grain in the diet uh, and do find that some um, grain fed or grain finished animals can actually flare up some of the symptoms. So uh, we like it through a dietary point of view because if the, again, we get into it, but the fat, you know, healthy fats, the balance is better yeah. in pasture for life beef. It's better for the environment. It yeah. tastes bloody delicious as well. Um, so that's actually yeah. for life. Uh, so it's, again, in short, it's, uh, can be absolutely certified because being honest with you, Liam, there's a lot of bullshit in the meat trade. So you go into your local butcher shop and they say, oh, you ask them, is it grass fed? And they'll say, yes, with no knowing just yeah. to sell the state, you know, so the certification does give it some, well, it does give it credibility because some credibility. Yeah, it does complete. And, and it's, sorry, Tom. It's not, that it's, it's not that it's not necessarily grass fed. It's that it's not purely grass fed. And, you know, these animals, they're yes. designed to eat grass and forage you know, uh, they're not designed to eat grains. They never would have eaten grains when cows were wild or, um, and you know, wild deer, they don't eat grains. They just eat grass and foliage yeah. and it, it, you know, pasture for life are good as an organization because they've actually started to look at the scientific evidence behind it. And there are studies on their website, which are just starting to show that there is actually a difference in the, um, fat makeup of just understanding that the. Although venisons are very lean. And when we look at chicken and pork, which commercially is almost impossible to raise without a lot of commercial It is impossible. Or only. Mm. 
for anyone doing it on a large scale, the only people that can really raise pork or chicken without commercial feed are people on homesteads doing like 10 chickens. So, yeah, so like, to tie the, that's never, so just sorry to interrupt Tom, to tie the, all this back into, into fauna. So long and short, yeah, yeah, yeah. long and short of it is that uh, Tom and I believe, and I, again, we think the, the evidence is there uh, again, anecdotally, we both have. I would say we're mm. both in, in very good health. I know I perform better and where we structure our diet basically to eat, you know, I probably get most of my calories from animals. Really. I do eat a bit of fruit and stuff now and then. And if I go out for a meal with a girlfriend or whatever, I'll eat whatever, but you know, most of my diet comes from high quality red meat. So yeah. we've us back to uh, fauna. So as Tom said, uh, you know, the, the kind of rhetoric out there for anybody here involved in uh, fitness or performance, generally, uh, again, generally speaking, and it is a massively changing cube, but it's the whole chicken debate, isn't it? Everybody wants to eat chicken and rice. Pork is seen, but especially the chicken, it's our bugbear, Tom and I, especially in the shop, you know, get people who want five kilograms of chicken because they're doing, you know, the rice and chicken. And for us, that's probably the... The, the last thing that you actually want to put in, because it's the, you know, you look at the nutritional profile of chicken, the environmental impacts of chicken. Again, as Tom said, you cannot raise chicken commercially without huge amounts of grain, soy, and though you're always raised in barns, even free range chickens, it's very energy heavy. So as I said, from the environmental point, Tom can put, talk about the nutritional point of view, but you know, they're not as nutrient dense, um, as a piece of beef or a piece of, you know, piece of venison. So that, you know, these discussions we were having and how we felt about, you know, how we feel, you know, really good thought. We really need to get this out to people. Um, and then again, we're both keen deer stalkers and we eat a lot of wild game. Um, and it isn't something that's available, I would say, to the masses, really. Tom and I, obviously, no, it's, no, not. it's not exactly. And I would say, and also from a butchery point of view, so obviously I can speak on that. You know, venison is usually seen as like an old fuddy-duddy thing to eat. In the UK, anyway, there's obviously there's uh, the likes of like Joe Rogan and whatnot in the in the States who are pushing elk and that sort of thing. And it's seen as, I suppose, a bit more trendy, uh, you know, the likes of meat eater and stuff. But in the UK, I would say the general person in my shop who buys venison, we have a conversation about venison is either in a burger or a sausage or it's an old fuddy-duddy yeah. thing, isn't it? You make a venison stew or a game pie. Stew, yeah. Most people, uh, you know, probably under the age of 35 or 40, don't really, wouldn't just approach venison as like a venison steak or, you know, a stir fry or something that you'd actually consume daily. Um, so we had all those conversations and both Tom and I, you know, lots and lots of our calories come from venison because we're both, you know, we're out stalking at least once a week, twice a week, shoot a lot of deer. Uh, so we eat a lot of it and we thought, we feel so good about it. It ticks every single box, venison. You know, there's no argument against it. These animals, from an ethical point of view, they have to get shot. There are no apex predators in the lakes last time I looked. There are no packs of wolves. You know, there's nothing that take the deer down. It's in the deer's interest, really, because they interbreed and that sort of things. So they have to get managed. Free going yeah. and, you know, the big push at the moment is reforesting, rewilding, not maybe rewilding, but sort of, trying to rebuild our ecosystems, which have been destroyed from years of commercial overgrazing. Um, over, over, overgrazing we'll come on to this talking in a minute, lads. Yeah. We'll come on to yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. So right. then tell us what fauna nutrition is. Yeah. Like, tell us so, what that is. Like, actually, fauna, the box. Fauna and the is, is essentially delivering meat boxes to people who don't have access to things like wild venison. Yeah. We're not purely doing wild venison, but it's definitely a heavy focus of ours. Um, it's a seasonal product, so we'll talk about that in a bit as well. But... Um, we believe that wild venison is like the peak of the pyramid in terms of the meats, the red meats that people can eat. Cool. Um, and we want to be able to have more people access that. 
and also yeah. more people to be able to access that nose to tail uh, aspect of eating. So that's something that I to. see you do as well. You offer the awful mm. addition yeah. onto it as well. So yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Like looking at you know, when I got put in contact with to you guys via Jamie Harrop, it's something that when I was in London, it was a little bit more accessible. Some certain, certain pictures were able to kind of source good quality venison or, you know, certain stores, but you know, definitely unless you're hunting it out, um, yeah, you'd well, be like a specific butcher. It is very challenging. Also, sorry to interrupt, Liam, but another thing that I suppose I would add to that works, we're offering it, but we're offering it in a, into like a, it sounds a bit corny, I suppose, but it's like a busy schedule. So we're not just doing haunt roasts and diced venison. You go to a lot of butcher shops, it's near enough always just yeah. diced venison and roasting joints. All of our boxes don't have any roasting joints in. They're all stuff that you can cook as a, you know, as a, uh, a father of two. You know, stir fry yeah. strips, all yeah. steaks, burgers, burgers strips, sausages, yeah. and, you know, we're making them all gluten-free, et cetera, et cetera. So we're trying to introduce venison. Great. Again, it sounds corny, I know, but into like a busy schedule. No, this is, it's absolutely essential mm. because like you say, sometimes I definitely that people can be put off by, the, by these meat boxes because they get these massive cuts of meat and then they've either got to smoke them or yeah, exactly. Got to like do some form of kind of butchery, like, you know, scale down version yeah. at home and. We don't, you know, necessarily teach these skills. Um, and this is why I think sometimes people can default to, okay, I'll go and get chicken because I know how to express them. It's fantastic to, to have, you know, be have you on, guys, because you're extremely passionate about, you know, the, this, you know, the whole, the whole picture around this. So let's start with the benefits of venison. Like, you know, you said it's the top of the pyramid in terms of, and what you what your guys you know you're kind of banging the drum for like why is that like tell the listener why why is venison so elite in terms of the the meat kind of pyramid in your your in your opinion well i think it, there's a few different aspects we and different different groups of people want to want to sort of look at different things there's people who want to sort of see studies backing everything up and that's absolutely fair enough there's maybe the more sort of ancestral eating side of things where people want to think about well how did our ancestors eat and what i like about wild venison is it is backed up across all of those mm -hmm. these wild animals haven't changed really in 10,000 years you know literally 10,000 years ago would have been hunting the same animals mm -hmm. so if we're looking at it from an ancestral point of view we can tick that box, so to speak. It, it's the only large game we have in the UK available to eat that is genuinely wild. Yeah. Like Rob said, in the US, you've got a lot more variety and uh, options, but in the UK, we don't. Um, in terms of meat, but so is beef, so is chicken. Like, that's not necessarily the differentiating factor. The differentiating factor for me is the... Fat content is high in omega-3s, but it's also very lean anyway, so there's not really much fat, which is very similar to chicken. High protein, low fat. The difference between venison and chicken is the, the nutrient density. In terms of the nutrients you'd get with a lot of other red meats, um, high in iron, zinc, vitamin B. For people who are active and training hard, or like Rob, on their feet for 15 hours a day, yeah. or needing to have a lot of mental clarity, it's really important that we're getting that nutrient density because it's actually quite hard to find that nutrient density elsewhere. A lot of the vegetables we eat, they're sort of, um, they're covered in chemicals and uh, it can be hard to digest, harder to digest. Um, for instance, um, venison liver, really high in vitamin A. 
and I've heard a few people say, oh, well, well, carrots, they're high in vitamin A, but they're actually not high in vitamin A, they're high in carotene. And that's a precursor to vitamin A. So your body's actually got to do quite a bit of work there to turn it into uh, that same thing. And um, if we look at the whole animal, we can get a lot of the nutrients that we need, the micronutrients that we need from a whole animal, from a whole uh, whole deer. Um, and so that's why why we sort of think that wild venison really is the tip of that. And also, and also from uh, Liam, so we've got, as I said, Tom's spoken briefly about the uh, the nutrient or the, I suppose, the dietary aspect. From an ethical point of view, it ticks every single box. You know, everybody's concerned, uh, you know, the, the kind of, uh, not the rise of veganism, but the increase in veganism, vegetarianism. People are more aware of what they're eating, which, you know, I'm a butcher. I think that's actually a good thing. I actually always talk to vegans and vegetarians because at least they've thought about their consumption of an animal. You know, at the end of the day, an animal has died. Um, when we eat meat and I think you know you go into a supermarket you get a bag of chicken it's sterile it, it drives me nuts it's a sterile experience and an animal has died and likely suffered to be honest with you so uh, venison for me uh, from an ethical point of view in my own kind of code of ethics they have to get we have to we have to all understand they have to die unfortunately that's the case because of our ecosystem there aren't any apex predators so for the own species of deer they have to get managed because they will interbreed, they will overgraze, then they'll starve on the felt, you know, it's still out to rumpant. So if we're going to eat them or not, it's a byproduct. The venison is almost a byproduct of our own environment that we've created. I mean, I have old yeah, venison to vegans in the shop because they can make sense of it in their own ethical code. Really? Yeah, yeah, plenty of times. Because again, when you think about it, Liam, they, they have to get shot because if they don't, yeah. the numbers... They breed, honestly, they breed up. We are, the weather's a lot milder, you know, in the last 15 to 20 years. So the deer population in the UK is skyrocketing. Um, they're becoming more used to human kind of interactions. So they're, in, they're populating areas that they never once would have populated. There's not as much poaching as there was. It's another element. Uh, so the deer population is increasing. So at the end of the day, they have to get shot and managed. So it's a byproduct. So the animal's dead if you buy it or not. So ethical point of view the suffering of the animal is another thing i'd like to talk on briefly uh, the realities yeah. of eating meat unfortunately you know is that there is a small amount of suffering when an abattoir picks up from a farm sorry goes to an abattoir gets picked up from the farm there is stress involved you, you know i've been to plenty of abattoirs yeah. uh, we're lucky in the area in kendall that we're still very agricultural based so we have a very small abattoir uh, near the shop so this i would say the stress for the meat i sell is, is low because they get picked up in the morning, dropped off, and they're dead within 20 minutes. But there is still some stress to that at the end of the day. Uh, wild venison, uh, you know, I've, we shot, I've shot plenty of deer. Um, it goes wrong occasionally, but generally it's a pretty clean kill. There's no traveling. Uh, traveling really stresses animals out because it's totally alien to their kind of environment. You know, if you think of a cow or sheep, it's been left on a field for three years. So to be thrown in the back of an animal wagon carted over a road it's stressful it naturally is so again not to bang the drum too much but from an ethical point of view i really believe you can eat it uh, you know and be kind of happy you know with yourself and then obviously the nose to a tail is something that tom and i believe in At the end of the day liam we can't just eat ribeye steaks all day it drives me absolutely nuts on these carnivore groups people just posting sirloins and ribeyes it's ludicrous totally ludicrous in my opinion it's not respectful to the animal it's not sustainable at all. You can't just eat ribeye steaks. Yeah, it's a treat on a Friday, but there's a heck of a lot more meat. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, and again, I think venison is the top of the tier because one, it hasn't had to travel. And at the end of the day, they have to get managed. I'll stop there. That's something yeah. that I think that a lot of people don't 
know about no they wouldn't know that that that's the that's the actual reality of it that Mm. it's a actual sustainable way of of consuming good quality Mm. meat like i I, like for me i didn't know too much about deer stalking before this i knew that venison was a very sustainable meat but again i didn't kind of know the reality that you know that the deer population is increasing at a a rapid rate and it actually requires management and therefore the byproduct of that is a very nutrient dense meat so that's that's a that's a fantastic insight mate yeah tom i used i i used to be shy about the fact that i did stalk it's almost like it was a dirty secret that i needed to keep and the more i've thought about it and obviously starting fauna um that's changed because actually it's something like you say it needs to be talked about people need to understand this isn't just killing for the sake of killing this isn't just bloodthirsty humans who like essentially just want to kill stuff they do need, like Rob said, they need managing. Um, we've got to balance things out because of human impact on the environment. You know, there's no wolves, there's no bears because of industrialization and because we're in Ireland, essentially. So they've got no predators. You know, that um, conservation groups have tried releasing lynx back into the wild and for better or worse. Well, at the end back. of the day, Tom, a lynx wouldn't take a fully grown red deer. They don't, it would manage. So as a, yeah, I'm talking about like reintroduction yeah, of yeah. predators. Like it's not going to happen now. So we, we are, we are the only way that they're going to get managed. Yeah. And so like Rob says, it, it's almost a crime that people aren't talking more about how, A, how good this is for us, B, how important the management of them is. And so all of this meat, like, very rarely do I see venison available in the supermarket. And when you do, it's only like Rob said, those prime cuts. I saw what I saw, the only um, venison I've been able to find this week. I've had a look about in the supermarkets in Kendall. Um, I could find um, loin steaks, 40 pound a kilo. Mm. That was it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's venison so it's sausages. Very... I've seen venison sausages. Yes, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, but often there's loads of crap in sausage. The thing is, it's, as I said, oh, it. yeah. a lot of venison you see for sale that's accessible to people are burgers and sausages generally. You know, you go to your barbecues or whatever, and there's 10 tons of shite in those sausages. You know, if you're interested in nutrition, that's the last thing you'll be wanting to put in your body. It's full of E numbers. And, you know, if you follow a kind of a primal diet or whatever, it's full of a rusk, you know, wheat, gluten. It is. So, it, anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, this is a really, really um, fantastic discussion because a lot of people, even though they understand, like we're adults, we understand that animals have to die and the, the process mm-hmm. happens, but sometimes it's just taking a step back to be like, well, that chicken's been, you know, born and raised in a very, 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 very short period of time. Yeah, it's crazy. They'll um, do it in 28 days, Liam. Yeah, I know. No, I know. Insane. I know. And also, you know, the um, the, the packaging so- of the package of meat is, you know, we're all led to believe. You know, you go into Lewis and Astor, and they've all got a nice picture of a little farm on the things. They make up a name's farm. It's total bullshit. Uh, chicken. They've yeah, li- they make it up. I know. They've they've lived an awful life. Those chickens, honestly, that you know, they never see the light of day. They're in their own squalor. You know, especially pork is pork is one of the ones I absolutely can't stand. You know, pigs are like dogs; they're as intelligent as dogs. Pigs, beautiful animals. You know, you know, ninety ninety percent of the pork in the UK is either foreign pork or is industrialized pork, and it's 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 cruelty. It is cruelty, and I do believe that. You know, then you've got this product venison, um, and it doesn't. And the thing is, venison doesn't have to cost the earth. It's another thing. You know, it's important to talk about. Most people, and we all we all live and work to a budget. At the end of the day. 
doesn't have to be a super premium meat because of the increase in population of deer. There is actually, believe it or not, a lot of deer out there in game dealers, fridges and stuff like that. And it's just, I suppose, having the, the network, uh, which we're trying to develop to get that out to people. It's actually, you know, it, it, it is a relatively, I say, relatively affordable meat. It's more affordable than beef venison. I mean, our boxes that we're yeah. offering are priced way below. If you go on a, you know, you go on a grass, you go on a grass fed website. I'm not going to obviously slate any competition, but you go on a grass fed website and compare per kilogram. And this is what you need to be careful of per kilo, not per steak, because butchers get funny on your steaks yeah. end up way wafer thin you know venison is actually cheaper per kilo it's a bit more expensive than chicken but probably on par the free range chicken but it's a lot more cheaper than beef yeah. so anyway sorry yeah yeah um in terms of the the meat choices that you're seeing mm. rob within yeah. your within your store mm. like what is there a shift or do you find that it's just pretty much people's default is still coming mm. in steak on a weekend yeah um, i'll tell you oh, sorry chicken of the week in the week i would say yes obviously there is an element there is an element of of that yeah for sure people have a steak of a steak of the treat we do sell actually in the shop separate to fauna so it's a separate limited company i have the shop and then for yes. a separate one but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we sell a, yep. a shit ton of venison through the shop as well so it is a i would definitely say it's a change in change of thing people are the younger generation are getting more interested in offal as well that's another thing i've massively seen so you know, you go to a lot of traditional butcher shops and, you know, lamb's liver would be the last thing that leaves the counter. Be the thing, you know, that looks knackered and tired that you're trying to get shut off on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, it's the first thing to leave our shop. It comes in fresh from the abattoir on a on a Wednesday morning. So there is a twist. Uh, there is a change in interest. Don't get me wrong. You get traditional customers. Don't get me wrong. But the younger generations are more interested in venison. It's not just, you know, your toffs who buy venison or whatever. Uh, it, a lot of younger people buy it. And then also... A lot of people buy liver now as well. Might be the liver king, or I don't know, but uh, it does sell out. You know, I can't, you can't argue with that. Uh, beef hearts sell out as well. We we get because again, we get four animals killed every week, so we get all the the funky stuff back, and it'll it just sells out. And I've worked in plenty of butcher shops, and usually the offal is the last thing to go. So that's fantastic for me that I'm selling all the offal. You know, there's no waste products, which I absolutely hate. You know, yeah, yeah absolutely. Just to look back on the the deer stalking, mm. what's the practicalities then of if fauna, which you know I, I I'm hoping that the meat box does the you know over the next few months starts to skyrocket. What's the practicalities then of deer stalking and being able to kind of keep up with demand? If there's more demand what? in the butchers and there's more demand online, like how how does it's, that actually work? Well, it's it's um like I said earlier, it is a seasonal. If you don't know about deer stalking. Deer stalking is regulated um, within seasons. So there's legislation saying when you can and can't shoot deer. And that's mainly based around when the female deer have young. Um, so the main populations of deer, months, there's no female deer shot. And most of our deer management is focused on uh, female. Um, so there's a, a gap coming, gap where the only deer that are actually legally able to be shot, um, unless there was an injured deer, um, are roebucks and they're quite small deer and there's just not as many of them about um and we've got to remember the aim here isn't to wipe out deer deer no. population we want to manage them at sustainable levels um so for, like for us as fauna we will probably look at doing some seasonal lamb boxes yeah good. the rest of the year in terms of the logistics around it um it's it's not sort of like a uh, a product that is never going to run out 
Um, but there's a huge amount of room for growth for companies like us to be able to supply the deer. So essentially... A lot of it, so yeah, Tom's in trouble. A heck of a lot of venison gets sold um, internationally to the French. Um, yeah. Lots of it. There are, there are loads of deer. You wouldn't believe, again, a deer stalking is not something really talked about. I would say it's changing a bit. The, the, the likes of like meat, I don't know if you've come across Meat Eater and like, again, Joe Rogan talks about it a lot. So it's becoming more popular with non-hunters. Uh, but typically deer stalking in the UK was reserved for country bumpkins, basically. Typically. Yeah. Yeah. Or the land, or the land it's, gentry. It's, it would be too too small. It's, it's still it is, Rob. It's still yeah. it is, Rob. I'd say, it? I'd say it's honest. changing a bit. I mean, you're not. No offense, Tom, but you're not a country bumpkin, and you're not a you're not landed gentry. So, and you've got into it. And I know more and more people are getting into it uh, through the likes, as I said, right. of meat eater, etc. But traditionally, it was uh, for the landed gentry or country bumpkins, such as myself, uh, that would get into it. But so a lot of deer get shot that no one talks about. And there's a, you know, there's a vast um, network of game dealers and states uh, that, that, are, that are worked around. Because in the U.S., there's just a bit of a difference. In the U.S., it's completely illegal to sell. We couldn't run the business like we're doing in the U.S. In, in the U.S., um, you're not allowed to sell venison that you shoot um, commercially. You can give it away to friends and eat it, but you cannot sell it um, because it's a way of the... Oh, really? Yeah, it's completely illegal. But in the U.K., we can't. And so we can start a business like this. Uh, so it's more commercially viable for us. We we don't we don't personally shoot all the deer that we sell for fauna. We would love that to be the case, but um, like Rob's busy with a shop, and um, I've I've obviously got other stuff on with coaching and that, and having a young family. So and deer stalking is not it's not a um, a dead cert. Every time you go out, you're not definitely going to shoot an animal because there's more to shooting an animal than just pulling the trigger. You've got to make yeah. sure it's a safe shot. Um, it's going to be ethical for the animal. Uh, we'll never take a shot where we could potentially wound the animal. It's always going to be about almost instant death for the animal. And that comes back to the ethics that Rob was talking about. So essentially, we have deer, a network of deer managers that we're building up who work on estates or for forestry companies. National Trust, Forestry yeah. Commission, where they their their sole job is to go out normally and manage manage the deer, um, yeah. often combined with like forestry work and stuff like that. So um, the logistics are that a man or a woman is going to go out, walk around with a pair of binoculars and a rifle, looking for deer, and try and get into a position where they can take a an ethical shot. Um, and then take the deer back to a larder and we'll come and pick it up or it'll be delivered to us. And from there... Again, pro- bro, yeah, just to talk a bit more, uh, just to, again, uh, just to answer your question, I suppose, in full, Liam. So uh, on a national basis, there is plenty of deer. That, as I said, the population is increasing, as, as I said, through, through the reasons, you know, that, that we're having a lot more mild winters. Uh, there, isn't, uh, there isn't the poaching pressure either. There used to be, venison used to be worth a lot more historically so there'd be lots of guys you know at the, the white lion or whatever would shoot a deer and sell it at the pub and it was worth it's not that worth that much now so there's no poaching pressure mild winters etc etc so the increased population uh, and a lot of the deer gets exported to the continent uh, the uh, the average person in the continent likes game i would say more than in the uk so a lot of it gets exported so really you just were just uh, we're acting almost like a game dealer. So we're going to the estates. We're actually paying them a slight premium for the venison as well because we want the liver back and we want it back in a uh, we want it back in a very clean format as well. So we offer a slight premium for them. So essentially, long and short, there are there are plenty of deer. We're just kind of re-diverting where they go, if that makes sense. So instead of getting okay. shipped abroad yeah, or to sense. bloody Harrods, uh, we're buying them yeah. as full yeah. 
as full carcasses. Uh, the practical carcasses, like Tom rightly said, we're based in the Lake District, so there's freaking tons of red deer everywhere. And there's lots of different sporting estate, trust, uh, forestry commission. There's lots of land where deer, so we go to these various deer managers and we buy them as full furring carcasses. We skin them there, then we put them in the larder. Uh, we hang the venison as well. That's another thing just from the butchery point of view. Uh, you know, you've probably heard of dry-aged meat, have you dry-aged steaks and everywhere, yeah. 28 yeah, days yeah, matured yeah. and all that jazz. We do the same with venison. It eats 10 times better. If you just hang it for two to three weeks, I believe that to be, you know, you get tender, tender steaks. So as I said, we're not worried that the fact that it's going to run out to become a finite resource at all, really, okay. for the, you know, the reasons explained. Yeah. Mate, that, that's it's so insightful. Mm. Really is that. It's, it's, it's really good. So on terms of dietary preferences, like you kind of alluded to it a little bit throughout this conversation. Rob, we'll start with you quickly. Mm. What's, so your diet at the moment, you've transitioned, it sounds like, pretty much full animal based yeah i would i class myself as an animal animal based uh kind of diet i do eat pretty much you know for that i'm not i'm not a and you know i'm not really really strict you know i believe probably seed oils to be probably one of the most poisonous things humans can 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 assume personally so i don't i don't view the animal based one is really is a hard one to work work on i think we'll take a viewpoint because everybody has a different uh, you know on the carbohydrates and that sort of thing It, it, it merges in a lot of keto and carnivore um yeah. so um so me personally i'm i will class myself as animal based obviously yes it's a massive help having a butcher shop uh and i've noticed i look around at time time and the, the one thing i come back to is seed oil personally that's the thing that i i can eat gluten doesn't really do me too bad i can have a beer no problem yeah. but if i go to an indian takeaway and have you know a big bowl of curry with drenched in oil i feel absolutely horrendous and i, I that's what i'd really refine that over my dad's actually a GP, believe it or not, who's a massive proponent of like the low carb movement. So it is something that is of interest to me for, I would say, for at least 10 years now. And yeah. But through mucking around, I would say rancid seed oils is probably the thing that I stay away from mostly. And I base all my calories from from usually fatty red meats. About, don't get me wrong, I like a roast chicken and stuff. But yeah. I would say fatty red meats. And then, again, it's hard, isn't it? We're all, you're all busy. So, you know, you do eat something occasionally. And I don't see it as an issue, but. Uh, but yeah, fatty red meats for me is is the number one, and yeah. I just feel it gives me sustained energy, a clear vision, um, and a clear mood as well. You know, it's stressful running your own business. If I'm being totally honest with you, yeah, it is. Yeah, and um, you, you know as much is, as me, yeah. especially you know if you've got a family, and it, it's stressful. So, and I do feel diet is the number one thing you can control easily in a way, as long as you're disciplined. And it, for me, it makes the biggest output into my life. So, I'm not that interested in the gym. No offense, Tom, but diet for me is the most important thing because it's the number one thing i actually notice a massive difference so you know i will drink tap water or you know there's certain things plastics don't bother me you know you got these people there's lots of things you diet but for me diet's the thing you can control and has i would say the best inv- return on investment personally yeah now that's that's really good to hear yeah. because often when i obviously most of the listeners or you know most of our clients are people that are going to the gym mm. you know that do mm-hmm train three to four times a week so we're looking at it from a tom i'm going to come on to you now in terms of maybe more athletic performance yeah, sure. you know, general performance mm. have to be an athlete but it's really yeah. refreshing to hear someone that go look i don't go to the gym but you still take such an interest of course in I do, because because i often i yeah. think there's a disparity in there that is a massively lot of time. i think a lot of people everybody should be interested don't in. take it's because we're outputs yeah no i know, no, I know. And i agree, yeah. and no, I agree I know. with you 
because I'm the same. I'm not that interested. Don't get me wrong. I like going a hike and I, I've mucked around at the gym and stuff, but it's, uh, it's not something that particularly, you know, it's just not something that floats my boat. But for me, it's performance output to have clear, you know, to wake up in the morning, have energy, to be able to think clearly, not make rash decisions, not feel emotionally up and down. And I've mucked around with diet, so I don't get wrong, I have eaten crap, and, and it, but it is the number one thing I can tell you that makes a difference is diet. More than sleep even. I don't, I'm not a big one on getting eight hours every night either. Uh, but diet is the one thing I can control and the one thing to me that makes it, like, I know it sounds cheesy, but a massive outlook my whole life, you know, I, I feel good when I eat well. Uh, and again, I totally agree with you. The people who are generally in this kind of um, bubble, and I would still call it a little bubble of, of society, you know, are generally, it's with a, you know, more of a gym looking outlet, but it should be opened up just to performance. You know, if you have a stressful job or, um, you know, just a stressful yeah, life in, in totally, you know, really believe it makes a difference. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop harping on. Yeah. No, that's yeah. it's, it's it's fantastic. To yeah. hear. Your fitness coaching. So, in terms of your diet, you know, you're in the gym. Like, what are what are you doing at the moment? Have you transitioned, maybe potentially away from higher carbohydrate to a more animal based, lower carb diet, or do you still include it and just have improved the quality of your meat choices? I know you've always been involved in it, but improved the quality of your meat choices, but still kept other things in in at the moment. I would say I've probably like a lot of coaches and people that train, I've gone through a lot of different phases and I feel like I'm at my most settled now in terms of um, what I'm eating and putting in my body in terms of how it makes me feel energy wise. Uh, and, you know, I've, I, I ran a CrossFit gym for seven years in Bishop Salford and whilst owning that, I had plenty of time to mess around with my diet and I did, I did paleo, I did extremely high carb, like, you know, eating pop tarts after I trained and stuff like that. And I was really pushing the performance side of things from, you know, for me there, I was never an elite athlete or anything, but I was looking to compete within CrossFit. And uh, where I'm at now is more of probably in terms of my training, more of like a hybrid yeah. doing strength training and sort of a longer stuff in the hills. And around more intense periods of training, I've got to eat carbohydrates. I, I can't just eat meat because that, that intensity of training, even though I'm not pushing things as hard as I was, and now health is my priority, even even if I do want to have long days in the hills and, and push on with that a little bit, I've got to have some carbs in my diet. So I'll I'll just I'll try and do like a there's no name and I'm not doing a diet. I eat clean, but for performance. Yeah. And you know, good. like it's... Most of my carbs, most of my carbs will come from pasta. Uh, sorry, not pasta. pasta. Uh, <laughs> the last rice. thing you want to eat, oh, rice and potatoes. But I will have like things like pasta. But I try and make choices in terms of like look into where the grains are coming from. I'll try and have organic yeah. uh, grown wheat if I can. Using like there's a company around here that they use ancient grains, and you know I do really try and think about eating food that is has as little as as little processing going on for it and as little extra inputs in it so if i look at a label and don't understand what's in my food because the words don't mean anything to me they're chemicals i will try and avoid that and you know it's not necessarily doable for anyone living in an urban environment but i grow my own vegetables in the garden you know we've just got some chickens because i want to get eggs from chickens that haven't been fed a commercial feed mm. so you know and that's, I understand that's not doable for everyone, but that's the route I'm going down. 
and no. I, we will eat a lot of carbs at home if I've trained hard. Yeah. You know, if I have a day in the hills where I'm running, there's no way, especially being a little bit more muscle bound than the average fell runner, there's no way I'm doing that on like, um, you know, some fats. Yeah, like, no, it's, just, it's, it's good to hear. I'll, um, I'll burn and die. And there's, there's people, I know there's a lot of different, you know, are, the, the thing that I hate about nutrition is the dogma and the dogmatic approach people have of like, right, I'm a carnivore and you lot eating your carbs, you're the devil. Um, or I'm high carb and you're an idiot for eating carnivore. Like you absolute nut job. What are you, the liver king? Like, and, and, you know, like the whole liver king thing was really interesting to me because actually he was an extreme individual doing extreme things and kind of insinuating that he got the way he looked by eating nose to tail. I don't think I, for one second, believed that was the case. But his actual tenants, when you go on his website and look at what he's saying, his actual tenants, there's a lot of um, yeah, really a lot good, good points. Yeah, there is. There is. He's just, like I say, just the way he's gone about it is just... It's the wrong uh, way. Discredited everything else. I know. It's, it's, actually, it's actually, Liam, highly frustrating for, really, because he has discredited it. But I do believe in what he says, you know, in a lot of the stuff anyway, yeah. um, but it is completely it's completely it's not gonna get you jacked like he was. Obviously that was steroids. Um but yeah. So I think the dogma in nutrition is something that everyone could benefit from stepping back from because I've been there, I've been that dogmatic, slightly judgmental um person and really stressed myself out trying to stick to certain diets and stuff and yeah. um uh, it didn't really do me any good. Um, so yeah, yeah I'd say I, I'm like Rob, like I'm not super strict on it. I'll have a, I'll have something processed every now and then. Like yeah. I, I enjoy sweet food, like, yeah. but I do try and avoid it 99.9% of the time. Yeah. And certainly my meat choices, I've become a lot more of a stickler about just really trying to eat high quality meats. I think the key kind of take home that I wanted to kind of get you guys on is in terms of. For me, human, I always say this, human nutrition is performance nutrition. Mm. Like if mm. you, it's not the performance nutrition, we often think it's, oh, it's nutrient time and it's eating high carb, it's eating something out of a blue powder no, no, or no. out of a tub. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like actually nourishing your body with whole foods close to nature as possible in the right amounts for the whatever activity that you are doing is performance nutrition. So eating as close, you know, the most nutrient dense food. Also, do you think Liam, Sorry to interrupt, but another thing that I was just, it was interesting with diet. I just think everybody is slightly different as well, aren't they? I just, I think there's always a nuance. Oh my God, yeah. Well, it's like, it's just, well, again, I talk to customers all day long. So I talk to people 10 hours a day in the shop at the butcher's block. And I do think everybody digests things slightly differently. It's like, for instance, I feel freaking jacked if I eat a massive, you know, a massive steak and then a couple of eggs. I feel fantastic. Don't feel bloated. You know, for me, it's like jet fuel uh, but then for some like you know for some people it bloats the mouth and etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh, i just think as tom said um experimenting with yourself as i have done for 10 years um and you you know i don't know about you liam but you do know what your body will i feel like now I'm, I'm fairly sensitive of what i put into my body i'll notice fairly soon if it agrees with me or not yeah, yeah. you're yeah. you're right yeah. because you've gone through yeah and tom you've gone through and myself, mm. you've gone through that period of awareness of yeah, trialing mm. or figuring things out. Whereas a lot of people... Totally don't. right, yeah. Yeah, this you're totally right. I see. Yeah. They go, mm. 
they just they just end up following a, a diet because they think that that's the way that they need to get to their goal. That's a good point. Whereas actually, mm-hmm. don't invest in cultivating the skill. They don't invest. No, they in, don't listen. That's a know, very good point. This understanding of ah, do I? Why do I? Yeah, always why feel do tired I? Well, that's what. That's what. Why do I always yeah. wake up with yeah. no energy? Yeah, yeah. You know, like then they don't make the change. And mm-hmm. like Tom, I completely agree with you. Like, you know, if anyone's listening, I've never followed a diet. I've never no. done, I know but nutritionists will go, I followed every single diet. I've done keto. I've done this. Now I found this magic method that works. I've never done it because all I've done mm. is figured out mm. what's worked for me. There isn't a name for it. This is why we don't, yeah. our coaching programs are called six week fat loss or six week strength. They're not the ignite flat loss shred method carnivore hybrid because it's not a diet. It's a way of eating and it's figuring it out for that. Just for interest. Just for interest, Liam. What sort of, just tell uh, sorry, I don't know much about you, but what sort of foods do you see as harmful for human health? Is there certain foods that you would stay away from or is everything on the plate or what? Talk me through your diet briefly. I don't think that, that I have this issue with moderation when people say, well, eat everything in moderation. No, the problem is as humans, yeah. we're absolutely horrendous. Yeah, of course we are. We're horrendous yeah. at moderating. We can't moderate. So we're not, programmed to, me, we're not programmed to moderate. We're programmed to We're not programmed. Vibe. No, I know. I know. That's the it, difference, it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So like you say, the, the, the more processed, like seed oils, definitely. Mm. So like, you know, when you're looking at the the way that, you know, food is processed in terms of, you know, anything deep fried or anything like oh, along that terrible. element, seed oils, additional oils to it. I also have an issue with like processed meats, you mm. know, like mm. the... Those are the ones that I think when people yeah. are scared of red meat, like obviously it's been demonized a lot in the research in terms of that. I think you've got to look at what meat actually is. And the closest nature, you know, like say millimeter processed red meat is a very, very, very nutrient dense source of a lot of different you know, ma- or macronutrients and micronutrients. And I think moving away from processed meat as much as possible, you know, like the ham that has the bare face on well, it, like, mm. <laughs> that type of mm. thing. Spam. Um, or, you know, like I say, as, as much as possible, it's trying to, for me, I, I'm, I'm not in the camp that vegetables are bad. Like no, I no. think that vegetables are good for people. I, I don't think, think that Tom and I are. On it, so no, I, but I think that kind of, like you were saying, like carnivore-esque people, you know, ketogenic people, they will then try to kind of throw this thing. So my, my dad's a, my dad's a, my dad's a doctor, right, Liam? He's a, he's a, he's a GP, a family doctor. And he, again, he's like me. We're all the whole family. Actually, are interested in diet. We're all, I would say, we're all probably on the lower carb spectrum of of how we eat. But again, we talk about you know you talk about the the pure carnivores, and he's never seen anybody. I mean, you get the odd person who might be allergic to tomatoes and stuff like that. There are some food allergies, yeah. but yeah, nine ninety nine point nine percent of times, it's not that they're eating a bit of broccoli now and then or a bit of kale now and then. It's everything else and i do think it almost confuses stuff to people uh, and also you know i'm talking about carnivore diets it's incredibly again i hate saying this is a butcher but the way that the carnivores are preached you know likes of uh, some of the chaps in the states just eating sirloin steaks and ribeye steaks it's just not affordable like, i have customers all the time trying carnivore diet and then you never see them again because they shit the pants because they get the bill and it's 90 quid do you know when they come into the shop and, and it lasts them two yeah, days like a couple of days yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like two, two days mate so again i don't think it's really i don't see it as particularly helpful and um, sometimes it's it's yeah. also it, it, it's also, also like the whole cut like i don't want to just get into slating carnival diet no, no, not at all. no you know i love but, but the carnival diet is based on like an ancestral way of eating 
you've got to eat the offal. Like that's the most nutrient dense part. You know, you can't just live on the meats. You know, Mm. Western Price, uh, who went around the world visiting all these tribes in the 1930s. And it's really interesting because a few of the tribes he visited, they actually threw away the muscle meats and just ate all of the bits of the animal that even even for me i might find a bit of a struggle like i don't eat tripe but like they would survive off those and see them as delicacies and i think there's a few things i was just thinking as you were both chatting there is a lot of these diets will make massive impacts to people because they're so so stressed out they can't digest their food properly and there's big lifestyle sort of factors that come into this that the way we live now, even those of us that are health focused, is so unnatural. We don't live seasonally, you know. We don't um, we don't obey the laws of the sun, which is that really, when it's dark, we should be sleeping or resting. But we're not, you know. Rob, you you, you said yourself, you work fourteen, fifteen hours a days year round. Myself too, like with a young child. The time I work at the moment is after he and my wife have gone to bed, yeah. so I'm up at night working and. Like that's not natural at all. And these things, they all add up and they layer in. And so when someone is like super stressed out and they're eating really poor choices of food and then they're like, oh, I'm going to go vegan. Well, suddenly your your stomach has a lot less to digest in terms of the meat. And you're going to see probably a really good change initially. It's the same for someone who maybe goes carnivore and cuts out like uh, stuff like that. Yeah, well, you're just you're just making a change to your system, and your yeah. your system will respond to that initial change with really good improvements. It's like you know, with CrossFit, uh, I own the CrossFit gym. People would make huge progress in six months, and then it would just stagnate. And that was one of the big issues we had. It, it's like if you make any sort of change to a lifestyle that's poor, you're probably going to see good results. And so it's about. Um, for me, it's about trying to keep an eye on how would humans have, how, how would we be living 300 years ago? What would we be eating? And having, just having that in my mind when I'm making my choices about the way I live my life and the food I eat. You know, humans 300 years ago probably wouldn't have gone and done like 40K runs in the fells. They would have been too busy working on the farm or like, you know, like a bit more like Rob's lifestyle, to be honest, where he's actually... He's on his feet and he's moving a small amount, yeah. not very intensely, amounts, but actually accumulating big amounts. Yeah, them guns. Um, yeah. Like, no, you're right, actually... mate. You're not sitting around like you know. You're not. You're not following my lifestyle, which is basically I exercise for an hour a day and I sit at my desk. Yeah, it's a. Day, I used to. I used to work like that. Like I used to work in insurance, believe it or not. <laughs> and so I have lived that sort of lifestyle where it's sedentary for a lot of the time. Uh, and it's crazy how quickly the body uh, adapts. So I actually blew it. I actually used to go to the gym quite a lot. I used to live in central London, worked in the city of London as, um, in insurance, all that shite. Uh, and I used to go to the gym, but it's crazy how uh, weak I actually was. So when I started, I quit my job and retrained as a butcher. And I used to ache like mad all my four. And I was, I was in much better shape than I am now, like to look at and from a physical, you know, aesthetic point of view but all my arms used to hurt i was knackered every day and it's crazy how the body over uh, how long have i been a butcher now for about three or four years you know i can do a 14 hour day cut meat all day long in a freezing fridge and i'll find i can go go walk when i get home or whatever it's just crazy how the body will over time develop strength that you wouldn't even know you know was possible 
Yeah, absolutely. Compared to a gym yeah, fit body where I look like I said, you know, I used to have a six pack and massive guns and stuff, but actually my output of work was terrible of actual physical yeah. labor, what I could actually do with my body. And now I can lift sides of beef, you know, one of those weighs about 120 kilos, can lift that off the floor, stuff, you know, without even realizing. It's that, it's a classic one of its farmer strength. So there's a young lad who works for me. Yeah, farmer strength. It's, yeah, a, it's a true bloody thing, I believe in it. There's a little lad who works for me called Jake the Snake, that's what we call him. He's a Cumbrian lad. He's never left Cumbria. His granddad's a sheep farmer and you, he's as skinny as he as a rake, but he can lift, you know, the stuff he can lift, Liam, is you You see him think you're never going to yeah. start, no problem. And it's just because from the day he was born, he's been lifting stuff. You get that, I don't know, strengthening your tendons or something like that. You know, it's 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 hardcore yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible to hear, like you mm-hmm. say, that, that adaptation, you, you know, you maybe wouldn't have been able to kind of achieve that in a short period of time if, let's say, your nutrition was, I, yeah, you're yeah. running on pastries and, and other things. So, yeah, so it, you know, it's, it's, it's a credit to you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fantastic stuff. I think for me, one of the key things that I want to really bang the drum for is, like you say, the 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 cost of meat is ridiculous. That's why people end up buying the poor quality. But for me, that that isn't a trade off that we should be making. It should be trying to to improve our food choices to eat the best our budget allows. And I think that having access to something like the the meat boxes that you that you guys deliver is an incredible thing for me i think it's you know it really piqued my interest and i i, I really appreciate you coming on i think what i want to do is ban the drum for people to improve their meat choices mm. if you are yeah. a meat eater and i think trying to do that without getting people to just go oh well i've got to spend 40 pound a kilo or i've got to spend 28 pound a kilo on some you know a couple of chicken breasts like that's there's other ways. This is what I wanted to be doing, like to, to showcase to people. There's other ways to do it from a nutrient dense perspective, but also from a sustainability and ethical point of view. So yeah. I think it's it's absolutely superb, guys. I'm really looking forward to seeing the, you know, the the development of fauna. And, you know, like you said, if you're doing different boxes, obviously it's seasonal. I know that you have an you have a, a potential to be doing biltong as well. Is that correct mm-hmm. in the future? Yeah, exciting to to kind of, you know. One one of the things I'm very aware of is in the fitness world, there's not many food options other than sort of like the prepared meals that people get, like that fit your macros and things. And they can be great for people. But the thing with sort of like uh, sort of like going to competitions, if you're sort of into, into fitness competitions, uh, traveling, one thing I find, my family live down in Essex um, and traveling to them is always a pain because that journey, there's nothing, nothing really that, great available in your sort of service stations nothing. and things There's like nothing. that it's not food so i make my own i'm i make my own biltong for the journey often so we want to try and bring some other options to the market because also we understand not everyone wants to buy three and a half kilos of meat as a starting point and so yeah. uh, and also for people who are like going out into the hills and stuff like having high protein snacks that won't go off in a Tupperware in the sun, essentially. Like, it's all well and good preparing, yeah. preparing your, your raw meat, but uh, that needs to be eaten within a reasonable time or you need some freezer packs. Like, it's not practical for everyone. So, um, uh, so yeah, some biltong. We're looking at doing more seasonal products as well. So, like uh, like I said, some Herdwick uh, lamb boxes or mutton boxes potentially coming in, in the late spring, summer. Um, and come the winter, we'll, we'll be pushing on with even more venison boxes as well. Brilliant, that's brilliant. And what we'll be doing is popping, popping 
all your details, you know, in the show notes, but we'll be popping it on our on our Instagram as well. So just make sure that you go and give the lads a follow under Fauna mm. uh, Nutrition on, on Instagram. Check out the website, boxes. That's great, yeah. isn't it? In so that. we've got one um, hopefully opening in the next couple of days uh, for another run of venison boxes. Uh, we do a limited amount each time because basically we will buy in the deer carcasses or shoot them ourselves yep. ahead of time. And so we'll have a set number of boxes that we can provide from those carcasses because the boxes are designed by Rob, who is the master butcher, to really well with those busy, busy people, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we want easy to cook and accessible, interesting food in those boxes. So it's essentially a box full of sausages, burgers, steaks, and stir so, just, so, just so, just not to kind of contradict something, the sausages and burgers and have minimal ingredients, if that makes sense. So they're not all the shite. They're all gluten-free. And there's, like I said, there's minimum. Obviously, we can give all the ingredients out. But, you know, it's basically just basic, basic seasoning, really. It's not, as I said, a highly processed. Uh, it's just... It's just packaged in a way. Obviously, everybody can cook a burger. Everybody can cook a sausage. You know, you know, it's it's uh, but it's like I say, it's done. It's done in a way that it's it's not highly processed, but is that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, it's fantastic. So, look, if you are interested, then the best, biggest thing for me, go and give them a follow. Get on the mailing list so that you do, you know, don't miss out on any kind of the delivery runs. And and then yeah, let us know. Let us know if you do try it because yeah. I think it's I think it's a fantastic, fantastic thing. I think it's a really unique thing that you guys are doing and it's just it's just incredible i just love talking to people that are so passionate about something and i think have, have a very unique product that is really needed um in this and it's like you say been born out of you know doing things in the right way so yeah. I, it's awesome lads yeah I'm, thanks I'm really a lot mate trying it yeah. and um it's really really good to have you on I, I know we'll get you back on later in the year and yeah. when you've got new you know new updates and new things and when we shot loads of day, yeah. business yeah. or uh a little bit longer. Yeah. We'll have some some more chat, talk, ch- uh, chats about some challenges. I'm sure that we'll, that you'll yeah, that yeah. we'll come across. But mate, I'm really I'm really excited to um to have you on the podcast and, and to be seeing uh, seeing the growth over the next uh, few months and years. So that's yeah, cheers, much. mate. Um, I appreciate it. Look, guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, and like I said, we'll pop all of the details into the show notes and on our social. Um, you can go onto any of the podcast channels check this out or onto our website and the podcast and look thank you so much for 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 supporting the show um let us know what you think uh, share with your friends share it with anyone and uh, rate the show if you do cheers Liam. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.